Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Talking Jack with me Claire and my twin sister Megan. Um, on today's episode we're going to be discussing streaming platforms, specifically Netflix. So kind of comes off the back of the recent um, issues with Netflix, you know, with them coming out saying that they're going to introduce, which they have already, I think, introduced ads um, and the first time in forever, I think, that they've lost um, members, subscribers, viewers. So we're just going to look at like the brief history of Netflix, that typical like Netflix culture, kind of what set it apart and then where it is now and kind of what the future of streaming is. So if you're good to go, we can just get started, Megan? Yeah, let's get started. Talking Jack, dissecting the everyday. Just as a caveat, um, there's a really, really good Netflix podcast um, from Vox, and it's called The Netflix Effect, and they go into much more depth about specifically Netflix, you know, the history of Netflix, how it all came about, its sort of rivalry with, like, Blockbuster and stuff, um, and kind of where it sits uh in the streaming world really good podcast series so i've taken some information from there just because it sets out um the history of netflix quite well but um yeah do check that out because it goes much more in depth than this so netflix started out as a tech company um it was like a dvd rental company um which i like briefly remember but i they didn't ever really understand Netflix. I don't think it really took off when we were growing up. I don't remember like anyone around us being into Netflix. I don't think we ever had it either. Um, no, I think our dad's got DVDs. I feel like I remember seeing them. Do you? That's really yeah, interesting. For a little while. I'm hey, sure you did. I couldn't remember. Well, then I went to Amazon or something, or am I just making it up? They could have, maybe. I'm not sure. I've not heard that they were linked to Amazon, but you could oh, be right. Um, just imagining things, sorry. But yeah, we might have had it. I just don't really remember it being a part of sort of our life sort of growing up. I remember I absolutely remember video rentals, but not not so much DVDs. Um that's not to say obviously it wasn't big, it was, otherwise Netflix wouldn't be where it is now. Um so yeah, they started off with DVD rentals and then they um streamed other network shows, not their own. They bought other shows from other networks um so then in 2007 that's when netflix began allowing users to subscribe and start streaming these shows their biggest competitor throughout when they started and still in 2007 was blockbuster um and blockbuster did try really hard to compete with netflix and 
I'll, I think like you know you you kind of like wonder because Blockbuster had twice as much money as Netflix. It had much better reputation. It had stores. It had like not subscribers, but a good like loyal customer base. Um, so you just like wonder like why they didn't do what Netflix did. They tried. So they tried to make a lot of changes because a lot of the things that people had issues with with Blockbusters was the fact that they had really um, expensive late fees, and that's how they made a lot of their money. So, you know, if you rented like a video or whatever for like three days and then you were like an hour late or something, the fee would be quite expensive and they relied on that and that's how they made quite a lot of their profit. So they stopped charging late fees because Netflix didn't ever charge late fees and that's why a lot of people moved to Netflix. Um, And they also tried launching Blockbuster Online, um, which I think was quite successful when they did launch. They tried to copy like the Netflix model um, but it ended up going bankrupt because they put like too much money into it. I think. Um, by two thousand eleven, that's when Netflix stopped its DVD rentals because it actually had. Can't remember the company name, but they tried to split it. So when they decided that they were going to keep DVD rentals, and then when they decided they were going to with streaming, um, online, they um split the company so they had like two different companies i really can't remember the name of the other one but everyone hated the fact that they had two they were like it's so confusing um so they just stopped the dvd side and netflix just became streaming um it's i'm just going to ask you because you might know megan what was netflix's sort of well it's not their flagship show because that was another one which i'll ask you about later but what do you think was the show that kind of started Netflix's legacy, if you know what I mean? I think I know it. House of Cards. Yeah, it was House of Cards. Yeah. So the House of Cards wasn't their own show. That's why I'm, I am make a mistake if I say it's their flagship show, because it wasn't because they didn't create House of Cards, but they bought House of Cards. Um, and at the time, they bought House... they did make it. They eventually did. But um they bought it like it was another network show first and when they had it and then they like kind of caught up they decided to make the other seasons off it if you know I me mean. but they didn't it didn't start as a netflix show so they paid a hundred million dollars for house of cards so they paid like an extortion amount to have the rights to to stream um house of cards but the gamble was worth it because um, it kind of established Netflix as like a serious player in media distribution. Um, and then it was like from there that Netflix kind of started to move away from being like this typical like Silicon Valley tech startup. And it started to become a sort of Hollywood media company. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of the Netflix culture, Megan? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I just thought that meant like sort of convenience and people who binge stuff and like, you know, they want everything all at once. No, yeah, that is. But if I was to say it's more about how Netflix runs itself as a company, have you ever heard anything about how they run? 
No, not it was really. quite big, like the last few years, because they came out, and I think there was a book about the Netflix culture, and everyone was like, "This is like the gold standard for the new way how like companies should run." Because I remember, I had a friend who'd moved to another company, and it was like a tech company, and she was like, "Oh, we're reading the Netflix." It was I can't remember what the, the book is, but it's it's a book about net the Netflix culture. And they're like they're really trying to adopt how Netflix runs itself as a company. And before then I was like, oh, what's so different about Netflix? Like I've never really heard anything about it. But Netflix really prides itself and has done from the start of being quite different in how it's run. Um, which possibly has attributed to its success in a separate way to like subscribers. Um, numbers so it has like a really high emphasis on performance um, and it really prides itself on freedom but it also at the same time expects a high level of accountability from its team members and its employees it prides itself on being like really transparent so all of this information like I say like it came out as a book but they have all of this information I think they still have it on their company website um, and it promotes integrity, transparency, freedom and accountability, like I've said. It always prides itself on paying the top of the market salaries for what it does. And it encourages independent decision making. It shares information openly and broad broadly. And it's quite it like encourages employees to be really candid with one another um, and the main controversy of it is that it only really keeps effective people um, and it avoids too many rules and regulations and really in, like values the importance of feedback. Which, like, obviously it's a good thing because you don't want somewhere that's supposed to be creative to be, like, stifled by you're only allowed to do things a certain way, if that makes sense. But like for me personally, like I'd be really stressed with a company where like you are openly encouraged to like hold up your hands if you've made a mistake. And if you make one mistake, it's like you're not performing well, so you could just get sacked. But then again, you're kind of like, if you're not performing in your in your job, why should they keep you? So Forbes said that there's two practices like that are quite controversial. One is known as sunshining, which, like I was saying, encourages people to share their mistakes. And then one is the keeper test, where managers like would fight to retain an, an employee or not. So they would like talk to others about whether they're going to keep an employee or not because they're not performing. Um, but some people have spoken out who've like worked at Netflix before and said that like it can like lead to anxiety and and employees who are like frightened by a really really high performance culture and the idea that their job wouldn't really be secure or safe if they didn't perform. Um, but Netflix kind of always say that it's not. They defend it all the time because they pay the top of the market salaries, so they are paying you like the highest you could possibly be paid for that. So you should be performing at the highest level, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you would feel about that. How do you feel about that? 
Um, yeah, it's a bit stressful. Um, it sort of feels like a bit kind of like a snitch culture, in a yeah. way. Um, so like everyone's watching each other and how they perform. And I don't know, but do you not feel that in a way like it's like employees are maybe being held accountable for things that actually aren't their fault? Yeah. That they can't be in control of. Yeah. Absolutely. Um like I think there's like a middle ground you should have. Still adopt some of that and, and still have allow your employees to have the freedom to like make their own decisions, if that makes sense. But I think I don't know how much of it is like you've made a mistake, you need to go. Rather than like you know, like a warning sort of thing in place or a disciplinary sort of model in place. But I don't know. I just think, to me personally, like it's too much pressure, but I understand that some people thrive on that. So um, maybe that's what lends to being creative. Um, but if as we go on, I wonder whether like that sort of culture contributes to the issues around like Netflix's content like I'll go into it but like at the rate that they produce content and the the rate they produce it and also the levels of quality dips and I just wonder like if you're being forced all the time if you if you were being forced in like for like Netflix if their goals was like the quantity of content and you want to constantly make sure you match that then the quality of it might dip but you think you're doing fine because you have too much pressure to make that amount of content does that make sense I don't know how if that's how it works but maybe that would contribute to it I'm not sure um but anyway um I'll go back to where Netflix was after House of Cards so what kind of like look at what like sets Netflix apart so like I say, I kind of count Netflix's flagship show as another show, which I'll ask you, Megan, if you know what it is. Breaking Bad? Yeah, Breaking Bad. And coincidentally, that is genuinely like one of the first shows I watched on Netflix is Breaking Bad. Like to me, it's funny, but like Breaking Bad is synonymous with streaming to me, which is funny because that's what it's known as. Um, is the sort of start of uh, like binging culture so yeah Breaking Bad was crucial for the growth of Netflix and that kind of like solidified its place as a major player in the entertainment industry um, Netflix started loaning loads of sorry networks started loaning like a lot of shows to Netflix in the late 2010s to make lots of money because any shows that like they kind of had that they uh, didn't really have like a good uh, viewership for they could just give to Netflix and Netflix would buy it that where no one else would buy it and then the network would make money and Netflix would make money because they get shows so it was kind of like a win-win thing um, so it meant that people started discovering previously unheard of shows like Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad was AMC and I don't think it was like a major show for them 
I don't think like too many people knew it, but once it went to Netflix, loads of people knew Breaking Bad. So it meant that Netflix got all of the because at that point Breaking Bad was still running. So it meant Netflix was getting Breaking the previous seasons of Breaking Bad. Say for example, I'm not sure what number it was, right? But say for example, AMC had only released three seasons. They gave Netflix the three seasons, and then it meant by the time people had caught up with those three seasons, they were like, oh, right, season four is coming on, which meant AMC had a massive number of people now wanting to watch Breaking Bad because they've watched it all previously on Netflix. Um, Yes, yeah, so it just meant that like their viewership went up like crazy um, for shows like Breaking Bad. I think it like almost like more than doubled for like the final season. Um, and yeah, so that's basically how Netflix kind of started the whole binge-watching culture because they got all of these old shows, like the back catalogue of these shows. People would, because co- like, like if it was a show that had four seasons, they were like, great, four seasons of the show, watch them all here, and then I'll go to the network and watch it when it comes out. Um, because they had the benefit over like, network shows watching them on the network could be there was like no ads and obviously like all the episodes were instantly available and for netflix obviously the best thing for them was like serialized shows um because it just meant like people could watch more at once um so yeah netflix was kind of like a win-win for networks and for them because it meant networks like i was saying could give them all their shows for like and make money from shows that they previously wouldn't have made money for because nobody was watching them. And then it also just meant um, Netflix could increase their audiences because they had like a massive catalogue over other um, streaming platforms, although there wasn't many at that time, um, and networks themselves. So it's kind of called the so-called, like you were saying, oh no, you were talking about the culture, sorry, but it's kind of like the so-called Netflix effect, whereby... Netflix could get cheaper shows from networks, like I was saying, which would increase their audience and then bring new ones and then thus making the network more money because they would bring them more viewership when the current season came out. Um, But the only thing with that is, which would be a downside for networks, is that it was like subconsciously kind of like training like audiences to be used to watching things instantly and all at once so it's like kind of like training them to to binge watch shows um so uh yeah uh i don't know if you if you have anything to add in please just jump in megan like that's fine um i'll carry on okay but like the problem with that was is that like netflix kind of knew um, that it couldn't just keep relying on like buying shows from networks because they were also getting shows that like the networks didn't really want, if you know what I mean. So at some point they were like, we want to keep growing and we want to become bigger and we want to compete against people in our sort of area. And the biggest competitor for them at the time was, don't know if you can guess it, still big that? now. No. If if I said Game of Thrones, HBO, yeah, HBO, um, because HBO was really good at what it did and it made like a lot of money, um, 
and it's still like known now for like good shows you know you got like the wire and stuff which is all hbo um and hbo made their own content so netflix was kind of like we want to start making our own content to compete against hbo so a way to like set them apart they were kind of like we need to make more diverse content for more diverse audiences so we need to make content that which is weird because i don't i i don't um think of netflix like this like i I don't think oh diverse content oh go to netflix that's really like niche stuff i really don't think that now with netflix um but they started to think like networks are making more generalized stuff so we'll make stuff that's never really on like mainstream networks so the first thing for them one of their big originals because although breaking bad was like a flagship show for them it was an amc show so their first big original don't know if you can guess it so it's like a quiz hmm. something that they they say is diverse I'm not saying it isn't diverse I can't think. I don't know if you've oh, seen it. Of my head, it's sex education, but I think that was later on. Yeah, that was later on. Um, something that's more early. Yeah, I don't know if Have you've you seen, seen it. it. I don't watch it. No. Oh, I'm really disappointed. I don't. Uh, I don't know. It's got. It's to do with a prison. Money heist. Oh no, Orange is the New Black. Oh, right. I don't think you've seen that, no? Seen episodes of it because our sister watches it. Yeah, but you don't watch it as a fan, no. Yeah, that was like their first big hit as a Netflix original show. Um, Because it featured, you know, like... Yeah, I'd say it's pretty, you know, at the time anyway, pretty out there. No, 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 it is, it is, it is. I'm not, yeah, it is. I just mean like that show's diverse, but I just don't see Netflix as that diverse platform I, I i just don't go to it being like oh that's got really different stuff on it but i can understand at the time that would be very different because it featured you know um like black characters as the main characters like females in a female prison and it had um gay lesbian um lead characters in it so i would say it's pretty different um, well, just from the mainstream, basically. Um, and funnily enough, like I don't, I don't think of this either. But that's also because I don't like comedy. As a rule of thumb, I don't really like comedy. I still like comedy, but it's not my go-to. So I wouldn't say I know much about it. But the Netflix effect sort of even extended to comedy, um, and they kind of were able to break through a lot of like comedians who otherwise wouldn't off because. If you look on Netflix, they do have a lot of like stand-up comedy on it, and a lot of comedians were discovered through Netflix, who otherwise would not have been big. So they were able to do that as well, um, and they were also able to make or break certain blockbuster films that would have primarily only been Hollywood blockbusters that Hollywood could have like made or break but like Netflix was able to do it because like in the podcast the Netflix effect they make a good example of um, Bird Box the one with Sandra Bullock in it 
which isn't by any means a good film. If you like it, you like it, but I, it's not an amazing film. Just going to put it out there. But like Netflix was able to like market so much out of that that the viewership for that was massive. But in any other way, that film would not have been amazing. Like it's critically not great. Um, I don't know if anyone that really watches it thinks this is an amazing film, but it had such a big thing impact when it came out. Everyone was like, oh, have you seen Bird Box? Oh, like just they were able to do so much with that just to have it on their platform. Um, in different ways because I can go into it later, but like the different ways that like Netflix is able to make sure like films or series are noticed when they want them to be because they put a hell of a lot into marketing when they want to market a show. Um, so according to Statistica, in 2021, Netflix made over 129 original titles in one quarter alone. Can't recall what they say one quarter is, but like over 129 original titles is quite a lot. So just to compare like where Netflix is now in comparison to like other streaming services, um, Just Watch released some statistics about streaming services libraries in 2022. So in Netflix, they had 3,600 movies and 1,800 TV shows. Prime had 26,300 movies and then 2,700 TV shows. And HBO Max had 2,000 movies and 580 shows. So really, like, if you're looking at quantity, Prime Video's, like, way above that. But I think Prime's getting better now with, like, their original content. But to me, that's a lot of stuff that they've bought the rights to and then stream on their platform. I still see Netflix and HBO as synonymous with more original content, although, like I say, Prime is getting much better at it. Um, in 2022, Netflix had 222 million subscribers worldwide. HBO had 73.8 million global subscribers. And Amazon Prime had 175 million users. So, I mean, Netflix is still, I would say, the market sort of leader. But it has been losing a lot of subscribers recently um but then there is the issue with netflix as well that so many people can like watch netflix and not have an account with netflix so you still got to take that into consideration when you look at like statistics because an estimate like servata said that an estimated 31 percent of users don't pay for the platform but they use netflix so Although you're like, oh, their subscribers might have dipped, they could have the same amount of subscribers, if not more, if they were all paying for it, perhaps. You don't know. Um, so I'm going to look into some of the issues with Netflix and then sort of the future of streaming. Um, but before I do, I was just wondering if you had anything to say about any of that. No, I don't think so. Um, do you still do you still see Netflix as like the king of like streaming? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think uh, if I'm struggling for something to watch, uh, off all the streaming platforms that I have, I probably just go to Netflix. Um, I find it just as an interface the easiest one to use to look at 
Prime have changed. They've kind of updated themselves to look a bit more like Netflix because before it was just like I hated going on Prime. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say that I watch a lot of like um. It's funny how you say that. Like they they maybe started with being older shows or shows that people hadn't seen in a while or things that you couldn't get otherwise um because that's kind of at the moment that's probably what i use netflix for i don't watch a lot of original content on netflix at the moment anyway yeah it's interesting i think i was reading somewhere where they were saying that some of their biggest shows are shows that they've got that they've bought and it's just they rerun them um but yeah have you like noticed any changes with the original content? Do you have any issues? Like before I go on to the issues, like do you have any issues with Netflix? I always feel like if you talk about like TV shows and stuff, I always feel like I have to say that I'm not the biggest um watcher of TV shows. Um like I'm not someone who will watch something when it just comes out. Even if I actually am interested in it, I take ages to watch it. Um so I'm not probably the best person to judge on these things. But um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot that comes out on Netflix just now. Uh, True crime has become a huge thing, I think, on Netflix. Uh, they do a lot just now, I've noticed, of um, like take the Jeffrey Dahmer show. I feel like the the oversaturate if that's the right word themselves because they make like the drama about it and then they make a documentary and they're the exact same thing and they come out like off like one after the other and I think a lot of people said that about the Jeffrey Dahmer thing is like it's too much especially something that's as dark and it's kind of negative as that to watch the drama and then watch the documentary and I sort of feel like, in a way, and it could just be me, but I sort of feel like, in that sense, to me, Netflix is kind of depressing. More, I associate Netflix as quite depressing more so recently because it's really dark. It's really like, oh, true crime, true crime, true crime. And you can get to the point of watching too much true crime. But true crime is quite addictive to watch, I have to admit, especially the way that Netflix make it because it's very appealing in that they make it really bingeable. Um, it's quite high quality. Some of their documentaries that they make for true crime. Um, it's not kind of. It's on a different level to the sort of true crime things you used to get on like really random channels on like satellite TV. Um, but I just think because you can binge it, because it all comes out in a one hour there's sort of a depressing nature about watching too much true crime at once and, and just binging on it and gorging on it sort of thing. I, I, I don't know how to really describe it, but that's sort of where I feel with it. Um, And then the other thing that I've noticed with Netflix, and not just Netflix, just in general, I suppose, but is this 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 real jump on nostalgia, this real jump on let's make about a thousand versions of something um, or let's look into the backstory of absolutely everything and everyone if you don't mean like I've not watched it and I don't have judgment on it because I've not seen it um, but take for example like Wednesday the TV show that's just come out 
that's coming off the back of obviously the Adams family. It's like, do we need a TV show just about Wednesday? It might be really good. I'm not saying it isn't. Um, but I just think there's a lot of that. And that's not just in Netflix, but there is a lot of let's let's jump on like nostalgia of old things and 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 reimagine it from a single character's point of view, which they've done again I've not seen it and I think it's good anyway um I've seen like first couple of episodes of like Sabrina I don't know if you can think of other examples because like I say I'm probably not the best person because I don't watch a lot of tv shows but yeah it's interesting I wonder if like that's a marketing thing from them like if you looked at their audiences I wonder if you looked at the ages of their audiences that's who they're trying to tap into who watches shows so people who realistically would have grown up if you're going to look at Sabrina for example they're like, oh, they will know what that is and therefore they will want to watch like a new show about that because it's Sabrina and they know it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting though when you talk about uh, Dammer, I mean, it's not really specifically um, about the true crime thing, but Ryan Murphy got paid, because you might notice that he's got like a lot of shows on Netflix. He got paid $300 million to leave Fox to move to Netflix. So that's why he's got like loads of shows on Netflix. Um, and that's why they will market the hell out of those shows. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it's like the story of like the chicken or the egg, which came first, right? It's kind of like, is Netflix making these trends by having these shows? Or have they noticed a trend and then have made these shows because of that? For example, you know, with the explosion of like true crime and stuff. Because I feel like Netflix, with its Netflix effect, like has the capability to make a trend. Because I feel like I so many. I think it's Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it could be that you know people I don't know like podcasts and stuff could be interested in true crime and then have, and Netflix have seen that and been like, right, we're going to buy as much as this as we can and we're going to focus on making that because that's what people want. Um. But I do think they've had these things because you see it, right? They have all these categories and they'll be like hidden gems or whatever, or what other people are watching, right? And it'll be something you've maybe never heard of. And no doubt they will like Netflix because they're, they they talk about being how they're run is very, very data driven, right? They will look at probably like what people are watching, what's popular and then be like, oh, that's a bit like of a surprise. Right. They're watching that random say they bought the rights to like some, like you were saying, uh old like network tr- true crime documentary, right? And then loads of people watched it. They'd be like, all right, okay, we obviously like our viewers obviously want that. Right, we'll then like make so much more of that. And then they have because of the way Netflix is, and you see like all these recommendations and you're like, everybody's watching this. It's in the top 10. Oh, I better watch it because it's right there. It's so convenient. It's so easy to, rather than trawling through Netflix, searching, whatever. First thing you see is normally what's popular on Netflix, top 10, what you've been watching. And you will more than likely watch one of the top 10 things. It's so strange that they have like so much, but yet if you mention a show and then say I went into work the next day and was like, Oh, are you watching like Dammer? I wouldn't even need to explain that. Like, if it's happened so much with that, for example, people just know what you're talking about. And it's so strange because 
to me, I always thought like that's the beauty of streaming is that there's so much choice and so much diversity that you could easily be watching something completely different to someone else. But nine times out of ten, most people that I talk to about TV shows, whether they've seen them or I've not seen them or you just mentioned them, they know what you're talking about. Which is so strange. I don't know if you ever feel like that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, like as soon as something new comes out on Netflix, everyone's straight to watching it or it's like top of that weekend or yeah. Summer. But then I also wonder, is that because Netflix is full of a lot of fillers, a load of crap? No, it is. Like, it absolutely is. Rubbish on it. Yeah. And then it's like when something new comes out, it's like, whoa, something new because... exactly. Netflix has got a lot of, um, well, like I just said, stuff that you wouldn't normally choose to watch, or it's got a lot of, like, for want of a better word, like repeats, if you know what I mean, like old content. Um, And then it's not really directly related to what you were saying, but I also think that, like, I don't know so much now, but I remember when, like, I first started watching Netflix, when something came out on Netflix, I always just, like, felt really like like I needed to watch it like rush to watch it because I was like I don't know when it's going to go away because you know they change things they take stuff off and that yeah um, so that was always in my head that I was like oh my god it's going to go away yeah sometimes they come back like sometimes they take stuff off and then it comes back but yeah because they used to release it was like every I don't know, was it six months? At least every year they would release what they're taking away from Netflix and what they're adding. Now it just doesn't seem like it's that exciting anymore. But yeah, um, I'll go um, further into some of the issues. Most A lot of the issues we've already talked about, but I can like unpack some of them um, and then just see where we think sort of like the future of streaming's going. I don't think streaming's going anywhere, like, but um, yeah, we can just get into that. So some of the main issues with Netflix um, are more competition, declining viewers, and funding. So a lot of like, it's like it feels like in the last few years at least, there's been like streaming services left, right, and center. Like it's a streaming service, like every like company's got its own streaming service. Something that you need to subscribe to. I just think like it's it's so much for people. Um and everyone always has something else, something different on something. So it's like, oh, that show's not on Netflix, oh it's on Prime. Oh, that's not on Prime, it's on Disney. Oh, that's not on Disney, that's on HBO. Oh, I'll just get all of them. Great. And they're all cost about the same. And it's ridiculous how much you then have to pay for these, even though they're like, you get access to all these shows. By the time you've got all the subscriptions, it's a ridiculous amount. And I really don't know if anyone's watching like every single thing on there. Like we just said about Netflix, you know, you're not watching everything on Netflix. Some of the times you're only like binging some of the stuff you've already seen, which if you were going old school, you would just watch the same DVD over and over. Um. But yeah, so for Netflix, obviously, that means there's more competition because everyone seems to have their own streaming platform these days. So the big, biggest example is Disney. Disney was, I don't know if you remember the days where like Disney content was on Netflix, but no Disney content is on Netflix unless they specifically like give it to Netflix. But now that they've got their own streaming platform, they do not give any content to Netflix. So um, 
they started selling their content to Netflix in 2012 and then they stopped in 2018 because they were creating their own platform, Disney+. Plus. Um, so because there's more competition out there and especially for places like their own networks like Disney and stuff, it means that they are not leasing their shows to places like Netflix, which means Netflix needs to invest way more in its own content because it's not getting content from other places because they're keeping their own content. Um, another thing is pay and funding, which I haven't even really thought about, but um, there's been quite there's been a few disputes over pay with Netflix because some big stars. Like big stars and big shows that Netflix decide they're going to put all the marketing into, they will get paid quite well with Netflix. Like they're happy to give them a lot of money. But then smaller shows and smaller stars will get weight like significantly less money from Netflix. So there's quite a disparity in what they pay um, and what they choose to invest in. Um, and the biggest problem with that for like stars and writers and directors and anyone involved in the shows um, is residual money. So residuals are a type of royalty which comes from reruns on other networks. So every single time a show's rerun, they get residual money, which they then give to other actors. So for example, if you were an actor and you're like, oh, I'm in this show, but then you're not working for a bit, a lot of your money will come from residual money. Because if they're rerunning your show, you'll get that every time. It's like royalties from like music. Um, but because Netflix and other streaming platforms are holding on to their own content, they're not giving it to other networks. So the other networks aren't rerunning them. So they're not getting residual money because they've stopped rerunning the shows. So it just means that loads of actors aren't getting... So they don't get the residual money for reruns of like people, you know, there's not a way to calculate that or compensate for that where people rewatch it on Netflix. No, I don't believe so. And I don't think Netflix do it. So I think that's an issue. Um, but Netflix then have came out and said that they're like their defense of it is that they pay more up front so when you're paid to be in a netflix show you've already got you've got more money than like at the start anyway so that essentially would be what you'd end up with once you've like put all your reruns if that makes sense i don't know how valid that is though um also apparently netflix is in quite a lot of debt so apparently netflix in approximately 15 billion dollars of debt um, and another issue is that they you hear this a lot they cancel a lot of shows on Netflix so even if they're good shows Netflix will cancel them because they only keep what's got the largest audiences because the largest audiences brings in the most money so there was a thing um Yeah, there was um a show, an example I was listening to. It might have been in that podcast. I'm not sure. Um, the OC, I think it was the OC. I'm not sure. I didn't watch it, 
but a lot of people like really really loved it and it had like such a loyal fan base and it was like this really like niche show that like again it fitted into that thing that Netflix shows like quite diverse content that nobody else would show and you can find something quite different on Netflix and they ran it for so many seasons and then the viewership declined although it but the viewership that it had was like quite a strong fan base um, and then they decided to cancel the show with no kind of like end into it. They didn't really like wrap it up. They just said, I'm not going to like bring it back because it's not got a large audience and it's like effectively like losing money. And then I think there was like this woman or something that was like a big fan of it. And like she started like campaigning that they need to bring it back. She was like, you can't keep canceling shows that like we love. Um, I can't remember where that went, but just an example, like a lot of people have that complaint about Netflix that you'll start a show on it. And then there'll be no other seasons because they've cancelled it, which, like I was saying, is kind of like makes sense why I don't attribute Netflix with being um, this diverse platform that shows quite different shows because they're kind of now only ever showing what's mainstream and what's popular um, because that's what they choose to invest in because that's what makes them loads of money, which just means that they're no real, they're not really any different than the networks they were trying to like separate themselves from at the start, which is funny. Um, obviously another current issue, like I'd mentioned at the start of this, is Netflix deciding to introduce ads because one of the benefits from Netflix, when again it was trying to separate itself from networks, was the fact that you can watch shows instantly, which obviously they still have, but you then watch them without ads. And because Netflix is getting more expensive, the way to stop that and curb that is to bring in ads. So they've now come up with a, a tier system. And I think now the cheapest with ads is $4.99 you can get Netflix with. Um, but Netflix used to like pride itself on its user experience. And that was at the heart of what it did, if you know what I mean. And by introducing a plan that has ads, totally takes away from that because that's not got the user in mind at all. That's just got money in mind. Um, and then again, another issue for um, Netflix is password sharing. Um, so they, they came out and said that they're working to monetize the more than 100 million households that are currently enjoying but not paying for Netflix. Um, so they are planning in, I think, early 2023 to charge people to share accounts. So you can then add um, sub accounts and then you would pay per extra account. I'm not sure how much they're planning on adding per account. Um, and yeah, coupled with all of that, for the first time in over a decade, Netflix has started losing subscribers in the first quarter of 2022, which when you look at like the issues kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know if you have any other issues that we haven't already covered. Uh, probably just like the whole debacle or whatever you want to call it or controversy around like Dave Chappelle and stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but basically, like, they had his special, like, just so you're talking about comedy specials, and obviously in it, he, and I think Ricky Gervais as well, but Dave Chappelle was, like, the big one, um, that he had said, like, in his special, I think, comments about um, 
trans people and um uh sort of lgbtq plus uh community and um a lot of people had said that they think that netflix should cancel dave chappelle um and take off his content i think and then some uh, as far as i understand it some staff from netflix had said that they would quit if they don't do it if they don't take him off as like a protest but netflix stood by him and they they said no we're going to leave it on and obviously that's left on people really criticizing Netflix and saying that that means that they stand up for like hate and all of that. But then other people have said, regardless, I suppose, of whether you agree with um, Dave Chappelle and his comments and his views and stuff, it's not up to Netflix to to take that off. Um, it's, you know, you choose whether you watch it or not, um, but they're not going to dictate what, um, you know, what, what the politics are of... Uh, the shows that they have on their their uh, channel, their service, um, and yeah, I think he's still on the on the platform now. I like, actually agree it. with them, to be honest. I think it's at the discretion of the user, um, to watch that and just don't want to bring like my own politics into it. But if it's comedy and it's rooted in comedy. I feel like that's up to the person if they enjoy that person's type of comedy. But I don't know whether they should be responsible for like gatekeeping what um content people should and should not see. Um obviously it has its limits and then you get into a whole thing of like, right, well, where are the limits then? What can you allow? What can't you allow? Why do you allow that and why do you not allow this? But I do agree with them on that. Um yeah, it's a tricky sort of minefield of free speech, I suppose, um, for people. But I suppose a lot of the argument comes down to like comedy being quite subjective. Exactly. And its nature of comedy is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not controversial, but I suppose controversial. Or comedy is always teetered on the edge of being offensive, um, whilst also maintaining that it's a joke. Um and I suppose yeah, it's it's not up to Netflix to decide what people find funny. But I know that it is hard because they have got to make sure that it isn't like inciting hatred or anything. But equally, it's down to the discretion of the viewer whether they want to watch that content or not. And also, not directly related to that, but kind of, is the issues around the crown as well. Um, because a lot of people, uh, particularly with this current season of the crown, are critical of Netflix because they think that it's... Um, inappropriate or... Um, misguided uh, or even just pure not evil <laughs> that's not the right word but just a bad decision on Netflix's part really to uh, air the current season of The Crown because it's going into the territory of Diana and her death um, and it's involving characters who are uh currently still like a, I know Diana isn't but I mean like King Charles and, and the princess and, and Prince uh, 
Prince William and Prince Harry um, are alive now, if you know what I mean, and they could they could be impacted by watching that again. It could bring up the trauma of them losing their mum. Um, and it's also depicting events that a lot of the current audience will have been around to actually witness when it did happen. So, yeah, there might not be audiences now who are alive when the Queen was coronated, for example, but they were probably, they may have been alive in the 80s uh, when Diana was going through the divorce and then when she was killed. And a lot of people have said it's just really negligent of them to to portray those events because it's just a wound that they shouldn't really be opening up. Uh, um, <clears throat> and it's harmful to uh, Prince Harry and Prince William. And then other people have said as well, because of that, Netflix should put a warning or a caution on the start of The Crown to say that it's depicting fictional events. It's depicting real life events, but it is a drama and some of it is fictionalised and dramatised, um, you know, for, well, dramatic purposes. Um, exaggerated, sorry, for like dramatic purposes. Um, and then other people, like on the side of that, have said, "Well, why should Netflix put up this this caution or this sort of warning? Because like, why can't people just watch it and know that it's a drama? Like, obviously it's a drama. If you know what I mean, like it's actors playing the characters. Like, of course it's a drama. Why do you need to be told that? But then other people have said that because it, the Crown is so realistic and 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 they've paid so much attention to uh details the the way that the actors look the scenery the stories the amount of research that they've done uh people are taking it to to be what's actually happened particularly audiences in america and in other countries that are, isn't the uk because in the uk yeah we might have like i say we might have audiences who still remember what happened to diana and how it was depicted over here um, in the UK when it happened like f- through the media and we can tell whether what's happening in the crown is sort of fake or fictionalised versus what it was actually like in real time but Americans might not be able to or younger audiences might not be able to because they weren't alive so they're taking it to mean this is what actually happened and yeah some people have called for the crown to be cancelled or you know boycott it like don't watch it That's really interesting. Um, but would you not think that's quite similar to like some of the recent dramas? I'm trying to think of them that they've had on maybe BBC or ITV or something, where they done one, or maybe it's coming out about like Boris Johnson and what's his name. Kenneth Branagh one, where he's yes. Boris Johnson. Yes, is that not in the similar vein, or is it yeah, just because it's so. not got like trauma attached to it? No, I mean there probably could still be that controversy around that, and it's like is is the time right to do that? Mm-hmm. Considering with that particular drama, it's very close to. Uh, I think I just and opening up, you know, yeah. trauma that hasn't actually healed for people because they've lost people through COVID and things. Yeah, I just think like. Because again, they've all you. They also had that drama that was out with, and Netflix have it now, but it's not a Netflix show. Um, the one with Stephen Graham and Jodie Comer in it, and it was about um, COVID nineteen, and it came out in the pandemic or nearing the end of the pandemic, which is very close to home for a lot of people. And I understand that it's an issue, and it and and it 
can um, trigger a lot of people. But I also feel like they should have the right to make these shows. Um, and I feel like, you know, maybe not now, Channel 4 once had the reputation of being quite controversial. controversial. So it could create shows that perhaps BBC would never be associated with. But it was okay that Channel 4 made it because it had that reputation. And I wonder if a lot of people are pigeonholing Netflix into one type of thing. And because they see it in that, when it puts shows that perhaps don't align with people, they're like, that should not be on there because we associate Netflix with very generic um mainstream sort of content that should fit with everybody and when they create something a bit more diverse it's like there should only be one type of audience for Netflix shows I'm not sure yeah and I wonder if that comes down to the issue with the fact that you're paying for it if you know what I mean exactly yes exactly on the one hand you could say well I'm paying for this and so I don't want to see this on here Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean because mm-hmm. it's offensive but then you can also look at it on the other hand like you were saying with that show that got cancelled where people are like well I'm paying for this and I want to be I want yep. to have this content available to me like who are all these other people to say that like it can't be on here so it is difficult because Netflix is global so yeah it's trying to cater to everyone I remember. Um, I suppose the best argument to that is if you know you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. Yeah, because they've got loads of other content. If you don't mean that, you could watch. I remember there was like one show that they had. There was quite controversial as well. Maybe along similar lines. Um, Do don't think you ever watched it? Did you ever watch Thirteen Reasons Why? No, when it came out, it was like quite controversial that Netflix was shown it and people held Netflix responsible for it because um, it never came originally. It does now, if you watch it. It didn't come with any warnings that what it covers are teenage issues with suicide and it could be quite triggering and could be quite graphic for people and rape and everything that really should have warnings about it they didn't do um now oh my god it's like to me they've gone overboard but they've probably done what they should do um with the show but also there was like criticisms that when it came out they released this second series um they were going to release it in summer exam sort of time in america um and then like loads of people like called it out saying that um that's the time when a lot of uh teenagers are already stressed and can trigger a lot of like suicide attempts and because of what the show's about they were like it's really poor timing for netflix um and then the guardian said that um in the uk the second series was made available just as UK students were doing their GCSEs and A-levels. Um, and then the Royal College of Psychiatrists described the timing of the show as callous um, because of it, the high rates of suicide among young people that typically rise during exam season and that watching that could trigger a lot um, more cases. Um, and then like the teachers sort of union 
said that the show, the return of the show was like really disturbing and regrettable um, because of the like ongoing crisis of young people's like mental health and stuff. So it's another thing where like Netflix, I suppose, are held responsible for the content that they put out there, which in a way they should have a certain responsibility for. Yeah, if it's their own original content as well, I guess they have more of a responsibility than yeah. if they're showing something that's from Absolutely. another network. Absolutely. And I think maybe it's just that they need to be, I suppose, more sure in what they are making and what they're buying and what they're making available to people rather than just being like, oh, well, it was like cheap to get or whatever and it's going to have viewers, so we'll just make it anyway. And just make sure that what they're making is for the right reasons. So I just quickly just sort of like look at the future of Netflix and streaming and where it is at the moment. So the Financial Times, they said that the biggest improvement that Netflix needs to make is to the quality of its programming, which I agree with. Um, It should be creating more significantly must-see TV shows and movies that become ongoing franchises. Um. They said that Netflix content is simply not resonating relative to the level of spend. Um, like how much they put into shows. It's not, they're not seeing that quality for what they put into it. Um, the Wall Street Journal also said that there's now too many streaming services. Um, and if you were to sign up to all of them, it would be literally hundreds and hundreds of pounds to sign up for all of them every month. Um, Because you've even got like bigger players now, such as like Peacock and Paramount that are quite big. And again, it's just meaning more exclusivity for certain streaming services, which means you need to buy more to see more. Um, And because of this, it means that site subscriber growth inevitably is much slower across the board for all streaming platforms. Um, You've probably heard the phrase that we're kind of like in like the streaming wars. Um, And that's just because of how many streaming platforms are all fighting for the same subscribers, all fighting for people's money to subscribe. And there's no way people can possibly do that. And then keeping them as well, rather than you know, having them for a bit moving on and watching a show somewhere else. Um, so the Wall Street Journal, they did, they did like a small podcast about this and they were kind of making, um, they were kind of saying that what uh, streaming services are now doing and they were making the comparison to like old like cable TV, perhaps in like America. They were like, it's quite funny how it's kind of going backwards. They were like, they are now... Um, starting to bundle uh, streaming services and packages for users to try and like compete for subscribers um, which is similar to what you do on cable TV when you would maybe pay for specific TV channels so say for example you were like oh I'm going to buy like Sky and it comes with the Sky Sports and then it comes with this and that's what that's what you want that's the package you want um, to, to get um, more customers they're kind of doing that with them um, streaming um so uh like i think you see it if for example you signed up for your internet i don't know say you're with virgin or whatever just as an example 
And then they'd be like, oh, if you take out our TV package, you'll get Netflix and Disney Plus and whatever for this price. And it means that Netflix or Disney Plus have then went to that network, that that broadband provider and said, we're going to work with you as long as you push a subscription to Netflix and to Disney Plus, for example. For example, And that's what they're kind of using now as a tactic to get more subscribers. Um, yeah, they just went through like some examples of where they do it. Um, I think they even said like Walmart's doing it, which is like unusual. I don't know why they'd be doing it, but maybe that's different in America. But yeah, um, I think that's kind of like all I kind of had. Um, we're sort of uh, streaming services are going. They're kind of sometimes like as well because there's so many like companies are merging multiple streaming services into one. So for example, you've got HBO um, and Discovery. They've joined together. Disney Plus um, has joined together with Hulu and ESPN to one platform. Um, and Paramount is merging um, Showtime, which is their network, but it's a separate thing. They're merging Showtime into Paramount Plus. So they're trying to add more into it so that they can get more subscribers. Um, I think that's like the only sort of trend that you're seeing at the moment is a way for like all of these streaming services to try and like retain and gain more customers but I think you're seeing across the board like way more fatigue for um streaming services and subscriptions because like everything and even honestly not even to, not even exclusive to streaming services but everything is a subscription these days I find that everything's a subscription and I think also um they need to try and like I understand obviously why they have like free trials, but I've done it so many times where like you'll be like, I want to watch this show and it's only available on Paramount. All right, I'll just sign up for the free trial for like seven days and I'll cancel it. And it, oddly, some they're called zombie accounts. And if you look at statistics for like I did earlier for their subscriber bases and the numbers that they have for certain streaming platforms, they actually, in a lot of cases, count zombie accounts. So they'll be like, oh, we have a certain amount of people signed up, but they're actually not actively using it. They've signed up, but they no longer like use that streaming services. They made that account to just use it and then like go away, like cancel it, but they keep it. Or for example, they've signed up, say they, Say you uh, did sign up with your broadband provider and you got a TV package and with it came Netflix, but you never set up Netflix. They will count the fact that you have Netflix because that because you bought that package. So you have it even though you never went onto Netflix and made an account, but you have it. You could go onto it if you wanted to, but you never made one. They would count that as well. But yeah, it's interesting to see where they're going. Um, I just don't know... It's it's just interesting to see how they're kind of like backwards. It's also kind of going like the similarities to like cable TV, the similarities to like network TV, um, the reputation that kind of like these streaming services have in that what they show and what they don't show is quite interesting. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. No, no. Um... 
I don't know. I mean, I like the fact that you do have this ease of access to everything because um, there's a lot more choice in what you can watch and stuff. But I think there is this thing of like, you become in this really, really passive viewer, particularly to film. Maybe not TV, but um, like you just don't engage in it in the same way. Um, and my own actual like viewership of film has gone down a lot, and that could be partly because of COVID and how the cinemas shut down and stuff. Do you but, think it's your attention span? I, yeah, my attention span's not as good as it used to be. No, but I think no, but I think that that comes from from them. Yeah, and I think just you start to question like, well, why would I go to the cinema? I could just like watch a film at home. Well, it's true because like I remember it sounds so old, but I remember when like something was coming out of the cinema, and honestly, it felt like it was like four months or something before that was released for home for to watch at home on like DVD or whatever. And you'd be like, I hope I get that for Christmas because that was like the blockbuster of the summer that you would then get at Christmas. And now it's like, it's sometimes instantly available. Sometimes, especially with Disney, I've noticed a lot of their new releases are straight to Disney Plus. Which is great because, I mean, if you're at home and you already pay for Disney Plus, fantastic. But it takes also like the, like, the event of these things because you just become so contained and like your home and your TV and like there is something about like for example going to the cinema and it's like more of a like a social thing or an event or takes you outside of the house um, and now it's just like everything's just in this one room absolutely I know I don't enjoy that aspect of it either Um, and I think Covid only like expedited the problem with cinemas as well like the loss they would make and I remember like some places had to exclusively say they're only going to you see it now they'll say in cinemas only and it's like when did we ever need to advertise that's only in cinemas because the expectation is that's going to be available on a streaming platform mm-hmm. even if it's to buy but they will add it for you yeah which is the same price as going to the cinema so you know but what's I your agree. favorite streaming service that you have uh, uh, the most the one I use all, most often is Netflix. Yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite. I think I like I, Disney Plus, but I enjoy I prob- Disney it is Plus. Probably Netflix. I, I enjoy Disney Plus, Plus, but I watch the most new things on Netflix. Yeah, and what's your favorite TV show on Netflix or like series? That's difficult. I, think I it's actually pretty bad. Yeah, but then I've never rewatched Breaking Bad. Well, I've watched it once, rewatched it once actually. But it's... yeah, but like, but like, if you were, I don't mean that. Like, it's probably Friends. I would say for you, yeah. you watch all the time. So do I. Yeah, I could get your money's worth out of that. Absolutely. But, um, I should rephrase, and I mean, like, you know, I suppose it's hard to say like original because I know that Breaking Bad was originally like on on our network, so was House of Cards. But you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying like, to think it... what mines would be, but. Mine's is Narcos or House of Cards. Probably Narcos. Narcos is really good. I really enjoy Narcos. Um, yeah, but I actually, when I think about it, I do rewatch a lot of stuff on Netflix, like stuff that 
isn't necessarily a Netflix thing. Um, and I also just do watch a lot of series on Netflix now that, like, otherwise I would never have watched anywhere else. I just watch it because it's there. And if it's a small series, I'm like, oh, well, it's only five episodes. That'll be fine. And I think that's a culture they've created with people. Um, but yeah, sadly, it is Netflix. I'm not sure why I say sadly, but it just feels like... It almost I feels just... like uncool. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you're feeding into the monopoly that Netflix has when you say, oh, I just exclusively kind of watch Netflix. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go. And it'll be interesting if I keep up with Netflix, if they do actually stop people password sharing, because I'm not sure how many streaming services I will actually keep using. Might just keep using Channel 4 because that's free, even with ads. <laughs> but yeah, so there's just like a brief overview of it all just to see where we are and just to unpack some of the positives and negatives of Netflix because... I think there's definitely upsides and downsides to it. Cool. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks. Anyone. <laughs> and it's Megan's turn next week to choose a different topic so we can see what that is next week. Yeah, it'll be a surprise. Well, it is at the moment anyway, even to me. Cool. So hopefully see you then. Thanks. Thanks. This podcast was written and recorded by Megan and Claire and hosted on Anchor. Music was taken from Pixabay.